All right, story lovers, here we go. Everything you want to know about Clubhouse. So I am sure that many, many of you already know everything that you need to know about Clubhouse. However, if you don't, uh, I'll tell you right now. The first thing that you need to know about Clubhouse is that if you are a writer of any kind, you should be on Clubhouse. If you are a filmmaker, film lover of any kind, you should be on Clubhouse. And let me tell you why. There are so many working professionals on this platform that are readily available, sharing information with you. Everybody is just looking to help each other on Clubhouse. Um, like any other corner of the world, there are some people who have less valuable things to say than others. But if you're smart and you follow all the right people, you will have some amazing resources and information at your fingertips. All right, so Clubhouse, we'll start with the basics, is an app, right? It's an app just like any other social media app. However, there is no video. It is voice only, just like I am communicating with you now in voice only through a podcast. It is like a live group chat podcast chat room. It's a live chat room where you can go on and talk to people. So the way that you get on Clubhouse is you get invited. So you cannot just join Clubhouse at this time. You must be invited. The genius of this is everyone is accountable for who they invited into the chat. So if um, I get an invite to join Clubhouse from a friend, I join through their invite on my profile page, it says who I've been invited by. So should I go on to Clubhouse and say derogatory things or network relentlessly in tacky ways? Who invited me is listed on my page and they could be blamed for bringing me in if I don't behave well. And this accountability is genius because it works. So if you um, get invited to Clubhouse, you go into Clubhouse, you automatically get a couple of invites yourself so that you can then invite people in your contacts who you think might be a good fit for this app. Uh, people who are good fits for this app are people who are passionate about a certain topic. There are thousands of topics. It's not only filmmaking and screenwriting. Um, they are people who understand that it's not an app for selling. There's no marketing. There's no advertising. It is a conversation app for people to get together and talk about things that they have in common. So you will get um, a certain number of invitations that you can then extend. The way that you get inv invited or the way that you invite people is through the contacts in your device, right? I'm using Clubhouse on my cell phone. So wh whatever contacts are in my cell phone, I can then send an invite to those contacts. If there is somebody that I would like to invite who's not part of my contacts, I need to get their contact information, add them to my contacts, and that is how I would invite them. If you are someone who wants to get on the app, and does not have someone who is in possession of Clubhouse invites, you can DM me on Instagram and I will try to make that happen for you. All right, so now let's say you've been invited onto Clubhouse. Now you're on. 
Now you make a little profile. The cool thing about Clubhouse is that people actually do read your profile, right? So in your little profile, you can, you know, keep it short and simple. Say who you are, say what you're interested in. You can put little emojis and you can actually search for people using the emoji sign that you, that you have under your name. Um, so when you do a search, you can search for topics, people's names, or you can put in the little film projector emoji and any of the clubs, groups, or people who also have the film projector emoji under their name, they will pop up. It, it's used as a search engine, same as a hashtag. Fun. Uh, so now that you have your profile, you've connected your um, Instagram page to your Clubhouse page because there is no DMing on Clubhouse, which is another very nice feature. You go on Clubhouse, you have a conversation. You do not need to talk to anybody else if you don't want to. Um, you do not have to link your Instagram page. But should somebody want to get in touch with you outside of Clubhouse, you can absolutely connect your Instagram page. So if you meet somebody on Clubhouse, you can then take the conversation over to Instagram. It's sort of interchangeable that way. But on Clubhouse itself, no one can DM you. So you have your, your profile. Um, now you go to what is known as the hallway. Hallway is the same thing as you want to consider uh, like a Facebook feed or your Instagram feed, right? It's this place that as soon as you start following people, right, the rooms that they're in will pop up. And now when I say room, I mean a chat room, right? So when you hear a clubhouse room, I'm going to be in a room on clubhouse. It's a chat room where you go in to this private chat room, right? With people who are talking about this particular topic. So for instance, um, as I mentioned later on, when I'm talking to my good friend, Tom, on this podcast episode, I am a member of a clubhouse room, um, Fincher Fridays. And every Friday we talk about David Fincher, literally for like two hours. <laughs> so you're going to meet like-minded people who actually want to do these things that you want to do. Hopefully you'll find your own little crew who like to talk about the things that you like to talk about. There are horror rooms, thriller rooms, um, networking rooms. There are rooms for networking. They are called networking rooms. If you're not in a room with the head title networking, you don't network. You don't pitch yourself. You don't pitch your story. You don't do any of that. You just talk and make friends, right? If those friends happen to be people who are connected, fantastic, but that's not what you're on Clubhouse for. So the first thing you want to do when you get on Clubhouse is follow people. So you, the first thing that I would suggest doing is finding the emojis that you want to be associated with and search for that emoji. And all of the clubs or rooms with that have to do with that emoji will pop up, right? You could also obviously search for people through your contacts, right? So all of your contacts will pop up. You can find who is already on Clubhouse in your contacts. Follow the people that you want to follow that way. You can search, I am on Clubhouse specifically for screenwriting, filmmaking. And so I search for screenwriting and all of the rooms and clubs that have to do with screenwriting pop up and then I follow those, right? So now, because I've done that, I open the, I open the Clubhouse app and in my hallway, which is another way of saying my feed, right, are all of the rooms that people I have followed, clubs that I have followed are happening right now. So right now I open my Clubhouse app, I go in my hallway, 
And it tells me, it gives me the calendar of events. So at, at 9 p.m., there's going to be um, an emerging screenwriters and filmmakers united room, right, under the club New Hollywood. And it's going to be um, a bunch of people talking about what it's like to be an emerging screenwriter, meaning a beginner screenwriter. Happening right now under the Screenwriters Unite Club, right, there's a bunch of people, there's 12 people in there talking about what makes great character intros, right? A bunch of cool people that I follow are having this conversation. If I have time and I want to join that conversation, I just click on it and now I'm inside of that room. When you go into the room, you're automatically on silent. Nobody can hear you, right? Only your picture pops up. You're you're not live. You cannot be heard. You're muted, right? So no harm, no foul. You pop in the room. People are talking. You like what they're saying. You hang out, right? You don't like what they're saying. There's a button that says, leave quietly. You leave quietly, right? That's it. You just pop in, you pop out, you hang around for what you want to hang around for, or you leave if you're too busy or you don't want to hang around for it. This happens all the time. There's nothing wrong with popping in a room and leaving. Nobody gets their feelings hurt. It's not like that, right? Uh, The great thing about Clubhouse as well is that when you join daily, there are um, new to Clubhouse informational sessions where you can pop in and they'll, you know, three, three times a day minimum, there is a room where you can pop in and, um, um, a clubhouse representative is there answering all kinds of clubhouse questions. So I'm giving you an overview of how I experience clubhouse, but you can also do this through the clubhouse app with clubhouse people answering questions all day long in these clubhouse informational sessions. All right, you go in a room and people are talking. The, the, the point of clubhouse is making friends. So the only way that you're going to make friends is if you talk, right? So someone is talking about something, you have a question, or someone asks a question and you have an answer. What you do is you, you know, you raise your hand. So there is a little button at the bottom that says, raise your hand. Now you're put in the queue to speak. The moderator of the room will invite you to say hello and ask your question. You know, the other day I was in a clubhouse room with Franklin Leonard, who was the creator of The Blacklist, and he was talking and I was able to hop up on stage and ask him a question if I wanted. I mean, where else are you going to get that opportunity? And he's more than happy to be there giving his time answering these questions. Things like this happen all the time. There's also, as you'll hear in the podcast with Tom in a few minutes, um, creativity going on on Clubhouse. People are doing um, live audio dramas. They're having table reads of screenplays. I mean, it is a wonderful, wonderful place for creatives to be right now. All right, the only thing, the only other tip I want to give you, this is a general, general overview. I highly recommend you just get on the app and start exploring get into one of those informational sessions. But one thing I will say is that if you are invited onto stage, onto the stage, right, that's what it's called, to share a microphone with the moderators, when they invite you on the stage, your microphone will be enabled. So be at the ready that if you get invited on stage, you are automatically there to Remute your microphone. <laughs> Always make sure your microphone's on mute. Another cool little thing, if you're in one of the rooms, people's profiles blinking on and off, right? 
that's a kind of way to show that you're enthusiastic about what somebody's saying. It's kind of like clapping your hands. So there's a neat little way to clap, which is um, turning your microphone on and off and on and off and on and off. And it looks like people are clapping. It's neat. What can I say? I'm a sucker for Clubhouse. Anyway, please enjoy um, the rest of this Story Love episode with uh, my good friend Tom Cavanaugh. And he has a bunch of wonderful things to talk to us about. All right. So here I am with Tom Cavanaugh, one of my favorite playwrights and screenwriters. I've known Tom for, oh gosh, Tom, 15 years, 20 years. When I moved to Los Angeles, 2004. (laughs) Wow. Yep. Yep. And uh, we've worked together often. Um, One of my favorite things about Tom is um, how prolific he is. Tom is always writing. Um, One of the pieces of advice I've got, I'd gotten early on that I value was to always be writing something. So you always have something to talk about. So if someone says, what are you writing? You're not you're not stuttering. You're you're right. You're creating your own momentum. Tom is always writing the next thing. So so tell me, tell me, Tom, um, where do you find the stamina? Where do you find the ideas? How do you continue to write? How many off the top of your head? How many short plays, short films, plays do you think you've written? Unless you know, I I really don't know. I know yeah. short plays. 30 to 50 that make the rounds um screenplays 15 to 30 maybe somewhere everything's in that neighborhood and maybe a little more on stage plays yeah i also i have a tendency and people don't recommend this but i i like to have multiple projects on the table so like right now i have two stage plays that i'm writing and a screenplay yeah yeah some people have to work like that just right. constantly moving parts, right? Right, and then, well, also, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed that I have a nose for story, so I'm always getting ideas, and and they just come to me, like, and then I'll just dwell on them, and sometimes it'll just be the title of something. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's a great title. Well, how would you make that a play? It's it, it's always the what if exercise, though. So even that, even the development of the idea is still, what if you did this, and then and then roll on that. Right. Talk a little bit about that. So what is that process? What is the what if for those who are listening who don't really know? So the what ifs is, especially if you have a, let's say you have a great character and you don't know the storyline that you're going to take. You put, you take that character, which is really yourself and put yourself in the circumstances of the character at the time. And then ask the question, what if, what if I added that his refrigerator just broke? and leaked all over the floor while he was trying to make a phone call about adopting a baby. And how does that make the situation worse? Cause it's always about how do you make the situation worse? It's never about how do you make the situation better? Cause that resolves without conflict. So as long as you make the situation worse, that's where what if kicks in. What if I introduce this? How does it affect the character under these circumstances? And, and for me, cause I'm all about the method in the actor studio, the what if is you in the situation of the character? Yep. Yep. That's great. That's great. You know, um, something that I talk about a lot is um, the similarities between Stanislavski's magic if, 
right? And then right. also, it's interesting, so interesting to me that Aristotle, when you read Poetics, also talks about um, what may, right? Write about right. what may happen. And it really is the same thing of not putting any shackles on yourself and just spontaneously going wherever it may take you. Right. And, and the other thing is, you may fail in that direction, but as long as you're not afraid of failing and taking the experiment. So that's why a lot of times in workshops, I introduce this as an experiment. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't have an answer yet. If the, I have no answers usually when I go up in a, a 10 to 15 page workshop on where this might go. Now, sometimes, yeah, I am when I'm really obsessed with it. It's really I've got the muse by the tail and I'll, I'll start to outline it or I'll start to do the cards, which I don't do the cards as much as other people, right? <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I, I don't always outline it because sometimes I'm just taking the ride. And sometimes I have the whole thing mapped out in my sure. head. You know, sure. and, and most of the time I'm, I'm doing that. I'm putting myself in this situation and seeing where it goes and yeah. where, where I go as the character. And that usually opens up some magical stuff. I love that. I love that. And, and truth be told, um, playwriting is such a different animal than screenwriting. Right. And I oh. don't demand cards for playwriting because right. in a lot of ways, playwriting is something that you have to feel your way through. So, so exactly. I totally get That's that. Exactly I told yeah. So here you are, you are always writing, you're always submitting your stuff is always being shown in festivals. It's always winning awards. Um, when did you know, Tom, that, you know what? I've, I'm I'm getting this idea for dialogue. I'm going to write it down. Oh, I should do this more often. Like when did that first occur to you? Oh, it's it's you know what? I had two blessings that happened in that reveal. I was in. I started as an actor, and I started in the '80s as an actor, and I was in Anthony Abeson's acting class in Manhattan. Um, he's a great acting coach. Coached a lot of big names. And he started, he started at the fame school. So I was with this workshop of actors in this town, this spot, and he sent us to get monologues. And I went to the old drama bookstore on Times Square. You'll remember, right, where you walked upstairs and yeah. you, you could sit there all day. And he told me this. He goes, they will let you sit there all day and read. Find what you want. And I went there and I read and I found nothing that I wanted to do as a monologue. So I went home and I said, you know what, let me just write it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I started to write it. And then I started to also, and, and that's where he said, you know what, you're, you're a really good writer. He let me bring in more work to this acting class as a writer. I was the only one. I was the only one writing my own material and bringing it into this class. We were down at Musical Theater Works on Lafayette. And there's an actress, Justine Mellon who was, you'll know her if you look her up or you see her face. She was a huge character on one of the Star Wars series in LA. She's done some films. She was the first one I gave a monologue to and she read it and they didn't see this coming. She just went up and did it and it got this huge response. And he asked who wrote that and she goes, and she just pointed. Yeah. And he had me stand up and take a bath. Uh, that's how it started. Yeah, that's that great. Time, I felt, but the other thing was too, was the rejection of acting that would beat me up. Cause I would go on cattle calls and this is the guys that introduced me to you and the actors, Jim in LA. Those were the guys I started with. We all started mm -hmm. as actors and we would go on these cattle calls when you could and backstage, you know, you'd be lined up around the block. You go on even extra calls. 
But the rejection there was I, I could never figure out. And, and the last great audition I had in New York during that phase where I said, you know what? No more of this was for Sydney Lament. I went on a call for an extra call mm-hmm. for the movie Night Falls on Manhattan. They brought me back 13 times through the casting directors. And I ended up auditioning for Sydney Lament. And he said, you're a great actor. You're too young. Mm. You're going to be a great character actor. Keep at it. And mm. I came at it and I'm like, I felt great. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't fight that. Like, I can't ever change that outcome. However, with a script, I mm-hmm. learned, take it back, rewrite it, resubmit it, change the name, rewrite it, submit it. And I could control that a little more. And that made me say, you know what? There's more to the writing in, end of this in longevity than the acting end. Mm-hmm. And that was a, that was the other big push. Like that light bulb went on and said, you know what? I can I can keep working this script. But once you're done with that audition, it's either your day or it's not. And there's no such thing. There's not even, I always used to say there's no thing as competition for an actor. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody's in an individual experiment. And that's what that's where the light bulb really went on. And I was getting better responses. That's great. And so that's where it really kicked in. That's such a great, uh, a great thing. There's no competition for an actor. It's such a great perspective to have. Thank you. But it's true. You know, everybody's so different. You can, even if you're like... Even if you're the same type, you're so completely different than everybody in the room. It's either going to be your day or it's not. And that's just, that's right. it's just how acting is. Yep. 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 And, you know, it really has to do with, um, you know, is it the only thing you can do or not? Right. right. A lot of it is that. So acting is such a hard thing. I, I started as an actress as well. And, and when I gave up acting, it took me so long to pinpoint and feel okay with the fact that I gave it up because it felt like right. such a failure. Right. Like I did, this is something I couldn't succeed at and it beat me and all this stuff. And then finally, one day I realized that, you know, after discovering my love for writing, you know, I thought someone could trash my writing at five o'clock and at five 30, I'm going to write about how pissed I am about Right, exactly. <laughs> no one's gonna get me to stop writing. You can't. And no, no. And it's like, well, I just didn't love it enough to see through the hardship of it. Right. And and it, and that's that's the tough spot. Like when when people now are like, I want to be a writer, I'm like, Oh, I love you, but I wouldn't do that to you. Because <laughs> show business is the most heartbreaking game. That's my my I've been doing this now since I started my and this was the, the the truth of this. My dad died in 1985. I was 19 years old. I cried for two years and then said, I got to snap out of this. And it was my mom who I had done high school theater all the time and had some really big success in that. But I put it aside. I was going to be a computer, a computer programmer. That's what my undergrad degree is. And I was so depressed. My mom said, it's time. Go to New York. Mm. And that's what snapped me out of it was the love for the creativity. But now when I look back, I'm like, this is a road of a lot of heartbreak. This is, and, and it doesn't matter if you're, even if you're successful, there's a road of heartbreak here that when people tell me they want their kids to go, I'm like, why don't you like your kids? <laughs> but it's hard too, because I, I believe in it. I believe in the power of creativity. I believe in the dream. So I want to encourage it. But at the same time, man, you got to know this is beyond a tough business now. This is a different game. 
Exactly. So. Well, yeah, the the net is cast so much wider. It, it you know, I've been talking lately so much about um how wonderful it is to have the blacklist at our fingertips, to have all these film festivals at our fingertips, to have these one act play festivals that people take seriously. And but it also casts a much wider net that that also now you're competing against and- Tons and now with Clubhouse, when you go in these rooms where they talk about playwriting, they talk about the craft of writing, you're talking to from people from Columbus, Ohio, Atlanta. They're not leaving their markets. They're staying yeah. in those markets and working it from there. So in one way, yeah, it democratized everything and made it a bigger opportunity. But at the same time, the competition level is beyond fierce. It's yep. it's it's worldwide now. Now it's worldwide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you, you, I think all artists, you know, um, like I said, I, I knew I didn't love acting enough to withstand the hardship, but, but I can't do anything else, but this I've tried, I've tried, I've tried to go do the computer programming. I've tried, I tried, I'll, I'll, I won't survive. And so, yeah. A friend of mine asked, in fact, it was Chuck Parker, who I met through the actor's gym, who directed my first short film. Cause I also, the 911 job at night is still what keeps me afloat in between mm-hmm. projects. Mm-hmm. I can't live that bohemian lifestyle. I have to have that concrete. Yes. And he said, how did you choose these two professions? They're the two loneliest professions in the world. And I said, I didn't choose it. It chose me. Yeah. The writing chose me. And if it wasn't that other people responded, I would either still be trying to write or I would have became a novelist, but. Right, right, right. Different creature, but. It's only because people responded and I got the reaction and and that's what I love. Yeah, that's so great. So, so yeah, so uh, you're a 911 operator. I know that. I know your whole background, but for our listeners, that's what Tom does. And and I, and I can only imagine, I mean, I do, I do know the amount of inspiration that you get from that job. So they do kind of feed into each other, I bet in that way. Oh, all the time. It really does. And then, and then, just the energy of it. And then at the same time, on the flip, you're alone. I'm in a smaller town now. And I couldn't do it when I was LAPD. But a lot of times I will. It'll be three, four in the morning. There's nothing else to do but write to keep you awake. Yeah. So yeah. what I would even do in the beginning, I would just write it out freehand. And then I'd come home and transpose it in the morning to let people who understood, oh, he's going to bring a laptop to work. It's not that he's doing something stupid or something silly. He's actually working at something. And it keeps your brain engaged. So I've been blessed in that respect. That's great. That's, that's amazing. So here you are, here you are now, all of these years later, you've got all of these, um, all of this writing under your belt, right? But if you could go back and talk to the, to the, to the kid who uh, was grieving his father before he went to New York, if you could whisper one thing in that, that little boy's ear and says this and say, and say, this is what you have to know. Just know this. What do you tell him? It's not personal. Mm. because we take so much rejection as personal, even still. And, and, you know, I never said this in public, but because it's family, I can say this, but even at the workshops, especially at the actor's gym, it's still the Sally feels, Oh, they like me. Oh, they actually like it. As great as it feels, it's not important. It's not important (laughs) if they like that moment. It's more important that they see the potential in the story or the potential of what you put on the page. And then they want to develop you because that's the other thing I would tell anybody. Everybody thinks this is a lottery ticket business. You're going to write that one script and that one script when it comes out is going to be perfect because you're magical. And 
you're going to hand that to the one person and they're going to go, you, you're the one. That's, we've been waiting for you. No, they haven't. There's been 7,559 people in front of you. And, and the script that they want to invest in is a well-crafted, well-written script that stands out, that's original, and yet still has potential to be developed more. And, and, and that goes for a play just as much as a screenplay because plays are developed even more intense, I think, than the screenplay development process mm. because you're on your feet when you're developing the play. When you're developing the play, which, thank God, I've had this in full length where you really start to understand it, where it's on its feet, you, it, then it becomes a quid pro quo between you, the actor, and the director. And that's actually harder to navigate than the screenplay development. Screenplay development, they give you the notes. You go back, take the notes, go try again. Go back, try again. When it's live and, and you're face-to-face with the actor, the writer, I mean, sorry, the actor, the director, and the um, producers, you have to do it on a spot a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And thank God in theater they're smart enough to have these programs where you go and you workshop it. I've been very blessed, and I don't think the program is this in the form that it was. I was chosen t- twice by the Utah Shakespeare Festival to be part of the new American playwrights development program, two plays that started at the actor's gym, one called behold, that deals with school shooting. The other Adam and Yoshi, which deals with a guy who gets visited at night by a girl who thinks she's a Japanese anime superhero. So it's two opposite ends of the spectrum that got selected. Yeah. I think 2007, 2009. And you go there and for a week they're doing shows at night, Shakespeare, but all these contracted equity actors come and work on your play mm. and for a week you do that and then the next two or three weeks they have different they spread it out over the season or at least they did then audiences come and give you feedback again and now and i remember driving out there and i'm like i was driving from vegas to cedar city where the theater is and i'm like man if they don't like this play you're a regional playwright. You're Woody Allen. You're, you're that guy that lives in New York and writes in New York only if they don't like this. You're not an American playwright unless mm-hmm. these people, because these were true salt of the earth people from the desert of Utah that came. <laughs> and, and that was make or break for me. And that's where, you know, but it was more so the more important part was to be face to face with those actors and those, the director and the producers where they fed you the notes. And then in the second play, when I brought there started off as an eight person play. And when I left Utah, it became a two person play. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what that's like. And anyone that writes knows you had to kill a lot of children to get at that place. Cause that's right. what it is. Killing your babies. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, so would you say it was a, it was a productive and a positive experience? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 you get any theater to bring you in and let you work with other artisans your play gets crafted in a direction it'll never get crafted in any weekly workshop or in your bedroom yeah just won't because there's there's because you get introduced to different disciplines as well as different perspectives Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm. have so many actors with different techniques you have so many you have a director that's totally trained in something different than you've ever experienced even the producers are trained in a different way out there than they are with the producers i would work with in la or new york so their eye gives you invaluable information to like, okay. But the, with that play, I actually leaned into the director and I said, I think this only works if I cut it down to these two characters. And he goes, I was going to tell you that 
on the break. <laughs> this is a two-hander. You've got to take out the other six characters. So that's you. You never find that anywhere else, right? You know right. What I mean? It just it just worked. So. Yeah. So aside from those two opportunities, I know that that you again to use the word prolific are always submitting your one acts, your short right. your short content to uh, festivals all over the country. Um, tell me any opportunities that you think that you've benefited from from that process, if you don't mind sharing. Oh, no, there's you know what. Here's the real key to that. If you can pull it off and luckily I had the job that you could do it. You got to go. Yeah. You got to go. And as many times as I had a 10 or 15 minute play develop and it developed here or developed in Los Angeles and then was sent and it, it like, like right before pandemic, I had a play about a gay divorce opening Kentucky. Mm-hmm. How's that happened? This, I mean, this was, you know, the heart of the conservative belt, but they welcomed it. So obviously there's something right in that play that touched something between the theater company and the public. And it got great responses. There was a time where I would fly, I would fly to everything. Yeah. Now it gets, it's a little harder just because I got more responsibilities and other things going on. But once you're there, my, uh, there was one in McKinney, Texas where they, took the full length play and they did it in a stage reading on a, a Saturday morning in one of their studio theaters. And they did it with, as a workshop reading with blocking. Well, then you get the feedback from the audience. And, and, and again, these are, these are real people that are there for the love of seeing a show. Yeah. And you know, you do it in New York, you do it in LA. There's an element of there's going to be writers there to talk about the writing because they want to talk about the writing. But when you go, you go to Michigan or you go to Kansas, they're going to tell you from the truth. Mm, that's so interesting. Ticket. So one of the best ones, and if you can get in on this one, I was blessed. There's a, a William Inge Theater Festival in Kansas. And I was in, They it used to be just a celebration of playwrights. They just, I forget how many, it was only like f maybe five years ago, they opened up a play lab with it. And what they did there, which really was awesome, and they still do it. They bring a good amount of 10-minute plays or 15, 10 to 15-minute plays. But instead of just handing over to one company of actors, they invite all the theater companies in the Kansas, Oklahoma area and the theater companies get your play and then they do the workshop reading in front of the audience. So now you've got the interpretation of the theater company just is doing it cold without you there. Mm -hmm. And then, they, then you get the feedback from the audience, which again, these are people that are in love with theater and buying tickets to go see theater. And then you take that in. And I actually, the first play that I brought was a play that was inspired by William Inge. So I had in, in grad school, my thesis project, I worked with the great Romulus Linney who had been celebrated at this festival. He was part of it. Yeah. And then Jeff Sweet, the playwright was one of my teachers who guided this play. And because Jeff Sweet says, you know, some of your greatest challenges is to write inspired by write as if you were your favorite playwright. So I wrote this play, which said the title was The Circus Still Comes to Town. And it was about two sisters that were competing for a circus hand's attention. Great. 
and had an imaginary elephant and everything. And it was, it was written in the style of William Inge, in the style of Picnic, right? All those great plays. They loved it, but I went there, I got the feedback, and I still came home with a rewrite. Yeah, right, right, right. And that right. was, but, but you had the theater company who was contributing, you had the judges who were contributing, and then you had the audience that was contributing. And and I don't think it gets better in a workshop situation. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's just so great. And, and, and you know, um, especially um, for newer playwrights, short content is such a great way to build up right. your writing muscle. Yeah. I I broke this down. I I considered writing a ten minute play, writing a three act, full length. That the first three pages is Act One. Mm-hmm. Your second three pages Act Two. Your third is Act Three. So now you're at nine pages, and then you get that extra one page to cl- close the deal. Yeah, yeah, it, that's and great. You, and then that opens so many doors because then, and this is true. Any of the 10 minute play festivals that I've, and I didn't have to win them, but Mm -hmm. I had been involved in, or I shown in somebody wants to read your full length. Mm -hmm. Your calling card is that 10 minute play. And now in film, your calling card is that short film. That's why now um, I, during pandemic, I learned how to edit film. Great. What are you, what are you using? Final cut uh, X. Oh, X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned it off of the tutorials. Um, through an organization I belong to, a film collective out of LA that just opened up a chapter in New York now called We Make Movies. That's great. And another one, great writing resource, free writer's workshop. You can show your work there um, and get feedback. Like everybody, they went online during pandemic. So I've been actually working from New York with LA uh, actors, writers, and directors Mm -hmm. getting feedback as if we never left off and I was still living in Los Angeles. So it was one of the, we make movies. Yeah. If you go to, we make movies.org, check out the website, they have a free membership to start off and then they have these great benefits, but they also have, this is a great thing about it. So there's a, um, 92nd iPhone movie contest that you have to submit by the 23rd. So I came up with a concept. I phoned them. And I directed it via Skype and telephone calls live as four or five people were producing it and they're and filming it in front of the Formosa Cafe on Santa Monica Boulevard. And the and they said the pandemic was going to shut us down. It wasn't going to shut me down because <laughs> I, there was no way. <laughs> the first three months, it did a good job at that. But after that, no, was not going to shut me down. I love it. I love it. That's so many of us that just sat and right. were defeated for like six weeks. And then we yeah, said, what? Yeah, you Like, yeah. But this, you know what? But that's that playwriting mentality, too. That that screenwriting mentality, your brain is going to keep running through. How can I beat this? How can yep. I beat this? You know, I, I equivocated to like being a criminal. That's the thing with criminals. Like, you know, and I learned from the other job, like guy gets arrested and he does the same crime like six, seven times, but he keeps doing it because he, he goes to jail and he's going to figure out how to get it right in jail and go out and do it again until he gets it right. And that's what happens with us. So we sat there the first three or four months, all of us criminal writers were like, how am I going to beat this? So the other way I did beat it, I'll throw this in is, is cause it's going to uh, show at the um, Pittsburgh French festival in May. I went to during pandemic made me look at radio plays mm. and I went and reread and re-listened to Orson Welles war of the world, the original. Sure. Well, it's genius what he's yeah. doing. And it's, it, he's got you looking to your left when he's 
pulling the strings on the story on your right. And he, he and I, I pulled, I watched that intensely. I mean, I listened to it intensely and then I read it intensely. So I wrote this thing called now, 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 and I based the storylines on actors that were COVID safe. So I have a family of three in LA acting in their living room and the storylines based on them. Then I have two roommates in another section of LA there's it's based on them. And I even have people in New York. So I have 19 actors going live for this show and it's an hour show and it's beginning at about a th- every time we run it, we've got about a thousand viewers. Amazing. So, and it goes out live. We have a stage manager that runs it. They broadcast through this thing called the OB system. And it goes out on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So now it got picked up that we're going to run it through the theater festival, Pittsburgh's virtual Fringe Festival. Because, again, that was that thing where I'm like, I'm not going to just sit here. I just can't. We can't go to yep. the theater. I'm going to make a theater. Yep. Yep. So- I love it. I love it, Tom. That's so That's so great. Those are some great resources. And, you know, um, radio is radio theater is coming back big time in Huge. the form of podcasts. Uh, I mean, when you, yep. And Clubhouse. Clubhouse is the new live theater performance space. Friend of mine is doing a reading, I think, on the 21st through a, a horror group on that of uh, Scream. And they yeah. have Tory spelling and they have names coming in. You know, I'm the biggest Clubhouse fan. I cannot tell you. And, 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 you know, there are some people, there's like this backlash now, like, I'm so sick of hearing about Clubhouse, but that's because Clubhouse is amazing. If you go on and you follow the right people, you have a feed that is constantly giving you amazing resources. The people who are on there are actually real quality artists who are all looking to, to help each other out. Right. I mean, it's just been an amazing right. community. And yes, and now there's a whole bunch of creative things going on. Uh, on, on I made uh, friends with filmmakers there from France, yep. England, um, Canada, a lot from Canada. We've watched each other's films. Some of these guys are highly established people that work on Netflix and Amazon Prime all the time. These are a lot of a lot of studio people are on there. Yeah. And a guy was talking about that today on, you know, the real key to this. And and you and I know this because we learned this a long time ago to go on there and be sincere and not pitch your project. Oh, yes. Talk to people. And which yes. is everybody. And again, another backlash from being in pandemic. I think the popularity of clubhouse is not just the option of you got these great choices to make and who to talk to however it's people talking yes right right and you're it, right you, you know we can't go to the mall but we can go to clubhouse who it hit at the right time didn't it genius yeah. genius but what you said is so true um is it's an environment it's a non-networking environment it's not about networking no. It really isn't. It is it about. It looks like it. It right. advertises like it sometimes. The bigger rooms. Sure. Definitely but they, networking. They usually but, they usually name themselves as a networking correct. room, right? right? If it's not named right. that, don't. because it's So the, the biggest connection I made was going in rooms that were talking about horror films. Because it's a genre I'm working on right now. I have a horror film, a supernatural thriller that I'm working on. Now, now, now is a supernatural thriller. Trying to make that transition. And we talked about what made it work. What makes the birds work? What makes uh, Nightmare on Elm Street work? Why are we all still afraid of uh, the monster that's under the bed, even though we're all over 20? 
It's great. So yeah, and it was those discussions, and and I figure oh, it's called host. The guy in England, I forget his name, Jed. I forget Jed's last name because we become friends. We're on first name basis now. Yeah. He made a a, a Zoom film called Host, and then he edited it really high scale up that it got picked up by Shutter, which is the app for uh, watching horror films for people that don't know. And he gone mainstream with it. It's a hit. It's a huge great. hit. That's yeah. Great. And I talk to him on a regular by friends, friends with him now because of, that's how I got introduced him. But we go and we talk about film. I'm not talking about, hey, I got a script. Would you read no. it? Tell me how to invest. None of that yeah. crap. Yeah. It's all about, man, we love this yep. genre. And yep. how does this genre work? Love it. I love it. I'm in I'm in a a David Fincher room to my Fincher Fridays and we talk wow. David Fincher on Fridays. I mean it's like we just want to talk about it. And honestly we for two and a half hours we're talking about one movie and it Well I that's what happened the other day, yesterday. <laughs> I stumbled into a room that was about appreciating film or something. I forget what title it was. And they set up where everybody watches the film and then comes back next week and talks about it. And they're setting up um, the Julia Schnabel film, Diving Bell. Great. Great. And I was like, I'm a huge Schnabel fan. I'm like, oh, and they're like, Tom, do you know anybody that can come? Because that's the other thing they do, which is great. This group researches how they can get somebody that was connected to the film. It's great. To come and talk. So great. And, and, and the, and they're more than just fans. These are artisans. These are people that love it as I do this craft and I want to learn more from your craft. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just such a great space for people who love what we do. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so great. So, so listen, so you've said that, you know, there's been many, many disappointments, many ups and many downs, right? But if you had to say what was the hardest lesson you had to learn, what would you say that was? I don't want to say the biggest fail, right? No, no, because there's no such thing as failing, right? Yeah, we, no everything such thing is-, is failing. And and to be honest, on the flip side, if you welcome the fact that, yes, you got to fail to be successful, every experiment that fails gets you to the next success. So in that respect, so the biggest, and it's true, as soon as your project goes into turnaround, as soon as whatever you had going that you thought was that million dollar ticket and you were on your way. And I've had this three times, but the, I was blessed. The first time was the best. And that might be for everybody, but my first, like people would say, how did you get this? I'm like, I was at the right place at the right time. And I knew that this script worked, but they, they fell in love with the script. We got all the way. We were in development at the stars network, you know, the cable network. And we were there for six months. And it's a project, another project that started at the gym. And and it started from a short film that came from the gym. We were there. I was going to the studio. The dream was true. It was only my second year in Los Angeles. I was going to that little studio out in Burbank in their offices, writing at the conference table, getting the feedback, going back, writing again. And they all got fired, which is typical. Right. So all the execs got fired and we went into movie hell turnaround and you do the phone stops ringing. And people don't know you and people forgot who you were because they are not looking at you and your project anymore. Mm -hmm. And the people that were talking to you when they were interested, stop talking to you almost instantly. And you go to movie jail and you have to start. over. (laughs) Just is. And it, it was heartbreaking. I literally, when my partner at the time was on the phone with me, my writing partner, driving in my car, I called my mom in tears from my car saying, 
we're done. We're dead. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I know. And and it's only year two. I just got here. So, but, you know, and then, and then it takes time and it, it comes around again. And, it, and, and that's the way Hollywood is. And that's Hollywood. Theater mm-hmm. world is different. Your, your play fails. You'll get another shot because they believe in the craft of the writing. But Hollywood, that's for real. When you, when, when your project's dead, your phone stops ringing and the flip side, I also learned, like, I'd be, I, I never forget this. I was out on a date with an actress in my car, and the phone came in from the studio, and I said, I got to take this call. And I saw her eyes change, and the date went from, we're having a great time, to, oh, you have a project. And it became about the project. The date was over. Yeah. And that's the flip side of it. Just as if they'll stop talking to you that you don't yeah. have a project. They stop talking to you as a human being if you have a project. And that's even, that was even worse. Tom, what a great insight. And it is so true. And and you don't want to believe it. This is the hard part with newbies. And same thing. I had a guy here. Now that I moved back to the East Coast, I had a guy in Jersey. He says, I'm going to LA. Any advice? I'm like, here's my card. Just ask when it comes up. (laughs) He goes, oh, I'm excited because everybody gets paid out there. I'm like, uh, here, definitely call me. Because if you believe that myth, you're going to believe all the myths. <laughs> oh, no. I, I've, I've been wanting to do a podcast only on how to survive in L.A. <laughs> I suggested that was funny. It was a screenwriting workshop that meets late night and everybody helps each other on Clubhouse. And the first time I said, you should really do a podcast. You should do a Clubhouse on how to avoid the sharks and the vultures because there are people that will rob you blind just mm-hmm. on the hope that you're going to get your script rewritten, let alone yeah. mm-hmm. done. And they, and this was an Atlanta based group. And they're like, Oh, we're not having any negativity. You can't do that. I said, no, I'm not saying now future, future. But they're like, no, we're not having negativity. I'm like, Oh, you're so babies. You're such babies. Yeah. You're so innocent. Tom, Tom, right here on the writing by structure podcast. I'm going to say that you and I are going to host a how to survive in LA from two people who left. Totally <laughs> true. And, and, and I can share this. Remember we had this mutual thing. We, we realized as much as we missed it, we were a lot happier not being there. <laughs> and we were only here for like two weeks. We talked about this. So, so Tom and I both lived in LA at the same time. And randomly, randomly, right. we both, I, you know, I grew up in the city and Tom grew up in South Jersey, right? And so in Jersey, right? And so, uh, so randomly, we both wound up back in New York, back in our hometowns at, like yeah. this, within two weeks of each other. Yeah, and you, were, like, you were coming across when I was just pulling out. Yeah, it's crazy. And, uh, and and yeah, it was just like that. It was like, yeah, I was sad to miss LA. Yeah, but I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy. so much happier. Yes, yeah, it's a different vibe. Not, well, you know, I always, my LA joke is just remember when you're in LA, even the bus boys give you notes on the script. <laughs> so when Raul brings you a glass of water at the, at the restaurant, he's going to say, you know, your first act's a little too long. You really should cut that down. Because it's true. Everybody has a script. Nobody has a script here. Nobody's asking me how to write. Nobody... It's a different thing. It's it's it, it, you can breathe again. You can actually yeah. breathe. You're not smothered by it. Yeah. Which sometimes yeah. that's a good thing because the magic happens that way. That's how I met people by being in a workshop, right place, right time. However, that could still happen here too, but just not pros like, and cons. Pros yeah, and cons. Yeah, like anything. Like anything. I guess you have to go there and 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 learn so many things before you can leave. Right. You really. Well, kind that's of if, if you see the. Um, 
there's a great Richard Pryor documentary, uh, Oh Mythologic. Mm-hmm. And the one manager, he was bouncing from New York to Vegas to San Francisco. And they say, literally, they say, eventually he had to confront the beast. Mm-hmm. He had to go to Hollywood. And then it takes off. Because even then, even having the connection and the talent, he still wasn't ready for that. Because it's, yeah. it it's a monster, man. It's a, And it is a one-trick pony town. Like, even when you think you're dealing with people that are out of it, they're still living off of it in a subculture. Yep. There's a whole subculture that lives off of it financially and economically because that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it, there's there's a lot of holes that you can fall into if sure. you don't see them coming. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, when you're ready, tell me. We'll, we'll laugh our... We'll have a backside work on that one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So uh, so tell me now, uh, what's the best thing? What's the craziest thing? I know you've got some crazy stories without naming uh, Writing-wise? We're talking yeah. about writing-wise? Yeah, yeah. Best thing writing-wise, there's nothing better than hearing it when it works. And it doesn't matter if it's you and 20 pages, 20 people just reading the first 15 pages or it's that opening night and I've been blessed. I've had a, you know, I had a, a, a show run for three months on Santa Monica Boulevard in LA at a nice theater with a great production, great cast. And I went every night that I could watch, just sitting in the back to watch. Cause it took me so long to get that. And it is, that's, it, it, you see your characters live. You see, even in the readings, when the characters come to life, I mean, thank God for the workshops I go to. Um, like right now I have a script that I keep having, you know, Anda Salvo, the great actress, she reads my work and it's written with her, her palette and her rhythm mm-hmm. in the character. Cause I've admired her since I'm a teenager. Yeah. And I'm lucky that I, you know, she likes my writing and she's in this workshop and boom. It's great. There's nothing better than that. Nothing. And, and the other great thing is the first time in, and I'm so sad it's closing the first short film that I had done premiered at Arclight. Oh, 50 is- of my friends in the big screen, in the dark. And I was, and it still does this when the screen, when the screen, I'm transfixed. When I see it come to life, especially when you see your name, when it comes to screen film, there's nothing better. There's yeah. nothing better when your screen, when your name rolls up on the screen, it's a larger than life screen. Yeah. Nothing better. Now the crazy stories. <laughs> oh man. Um, I just, for the first time, knock wood, I submitted to a theater festival that said they loved the play said they were going to produce it. They start to going to produce it. They rewrote it on me. And I'm not just talking about like rewrite, like, cause originally they said, you know, there's some things we have to change because you wrote for two characters that are the same age and we want to do it with an older male and a younger woman. Like, okay, I can roll with that because under the circumstance I understand and I'm 3000 miles away and they sent it to me. I'm like, this is not the play I wrote. You can't do this. And for the first time, and it actually like, I, it went the opposite way where you have that great experience. You build up, it went where I sunk down and I felt in the pit of my stomach, like, Oh man, this is a great script. And I had developed it on the East coast mm. with like Aiken angels, a great group. And they just raped it. I mean, literally that's what it felt like. Oh. And, and then I had to do the thing where um, I'm a member of the dramas guild. They're going to yeah. protect me. And Good then I you. have a legal team in Los Angeles that will take you apart. So I had to do the threat. And that's where all these years of getting backhanded, 
Yes. Makes you stand on your own and say, you know what? I'm just as much of a deal maker and a negotiator as the best of them. Yeah. And, and what know, happened? What happened? They took it down. And they, they were like, no, we will never do that. And they, they were kind of snotty about it. But, you know, it's. That's crazy. Luckily, thank God. I mean, you know, if you go on some of these playwriting groups, this happens to people all the time. You know, especially because they're open submissions. You never know. But yeah. for the most part, thank the the writing gods. I've never had that happen before. Right, right, right. Yeah, it is crazy. It's it's crazy when um, somehow, and I don't know how this happens, but somehow people who have no idea how anything works get into positions of power. And right. it's kind of like, how did this happen? Or, you know, you get, you come across the people who all, you know, for somehow have a million dollars and now they're going to tell you how to do stuff. And they've never written, <laughs> never. They've, they've never even written a ransom note. They've written nothing. <laughs> I know. It, and it, this is, thing, and I don't know if you've experienced it though. Like you've handed the script to a director slash producer that's interested in it. And this mostly happens in film because theater's a little more organized when it comes to the selection process. But, you know, it's still in screenplays. If the director producer likes it, it there's a good chance he's going to roll with it for a long time and maybe get it done. But then all of a sudden, like by osmosis, all of a sudden they, they start to claim like they wrote it. Mm-hmm. And I know it trickles down. I know it's that argument between the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild film by and it's still that, but there's this kind of weird thing sometimes in the film industry, and I call it by osmosis. All of a sudden, they're becoming the writer by osmosis, mm-hmm. and I've had that happen. It's a weird, crazy thing. I'm like, no, 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 but you didn't write that. I wrote that. I actually lived that. You didn't live this. Right, 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 right. Crazy, right. insane. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. But it, you know, it is. It is a crazy town. Um, that that's full of incredible highs and unbelievable oh, lows. It is a roller coaster and, and, and it's a roller coaster every day. So that was part of my leaving was I just wasn't happy in my personal life. Yeah. And if you're not happy, that's the one theory I lived by during this. I'm going to have a happy home base. It's going to be safe. I don't care if I live in a studio apartment. I don't care if I live in a mansion. If it's not happy and safe for me to come there and create and be happy after I leave the survival job, after I leave the yeah. workshops, after I leave a studio, if I'm not happy, and that's what happened. I wasn't happy. I was scratching out a living. Yeah. And it was getting harder, just like anything does in, in life, right? But it was getting harder to make that living to survive, to keep the dream afloat. And I knew I had to re-strategize. And that's really all it was. It wasn't a move of like, oh, this chapter's over. Yes. Move I just got to re-strategize my life so I can do this. Absolutely. If you're not happy, guess what you're not going to do, right? You're not going to write. You're just not. You're not going to write good. Right. In there too. In there <laughs> sure too. Have. Uh, Tom, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I won't keep you too much longer, but um, great. I can stay all day with you. We are going to meet on Clubhouse. We're going to. Oh yeah. Well, rooms. I was here this morning. I just was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you just looking at room, so yeah. But I was I just saw the title, and you happen to be there, so. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah, right. Yeah, we'll be there, and we'll be other places. That's for sure. We sure will, Tom. That's all always right. great. Thank you, man. That's a blessing. Thank you. You take care, my friend. You too, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.